Welcome to Stop and Talk, a podcast about connection and building a more vibrant region together through creativity, health, and community. As a boy, Dr. Daniel Kalak grew up on the Palma Indian Reservation. He remembers the dirt and the sagebrush, the feel of the land, and he remembers his mother, a nurse, teaching him about the medical field from a very young age. For those unfamiliar with it, Palma Valley is an unincorporated community between Valley Center and Palomar Mountain in San Diego County, California. It includes a number of Indian reservations and, of course, farmland. Since 2003, Dr. Dan Kalak has served as the Chief Medical Officer for the Indian Health Council. The Conrad Prebis Foundation came into contact with the Indian Health Council team as they are a new grantee of our Strengthening Health Access, Resources, and Excellence Initiative, also known as SHARE. Let's dive in. So, Dr. Dan Kalak, I'm so grateful that you chose to stop and talk with me for a while. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you. It's uh, it's really a pleasure. We're going to talk about a lot having to do with your work and your background, and you are known primarily as the Chief Medical Officer for the Indian Health Council. Um, we're going to talk about that. But I want to start with you, and I want to have our listeners better understand who you are, because this program is ultimately about change agents in the community and people who are proving what's possible in San Diego and for the country by doing the work that they are here. Uh, And it's interesting to know where that comes from, you know, where that impulse comes from. So, you know, when we, when I read about you and when I've looked into your history, everything ties back to your interest in community, your concern for your community's health can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be doing the work that you're doing? That's a great question. I'm as unique as Indian Health Council. So as a person, I think I really reflect not only the values, but also the priorities that Indian Health Council and what it does for the community represents and provides you know, for the clients. So I'm, I'm a simple guy. I grew up on the Indian Reservation Born in Los Angeles, Bellflower, California. First of uh, eight grandchildren, I believe. Moved down to the Indian Reservation when I was two. Mm. Had asthma, so that prompted the move down from Los Angeles down to the Indian Reservation. Grew up there, local kid, schools. Showed a predilection for sciences. Had some great teachers, some great parents, and some great grandparents. Good role models, which actually ended up furthering my education locally and met a wonderful woman, my wife of 33 years. And thank you. Thank you. And four wonderful children later and some trips across the United States to the East Coast for med school, back to L.A. for residency, and then at Indian Health Council now for the past 20 years as the chief medical officer. Great. And you, um, you very humbly skipped over uh, in just describing that as the East Coast, um, Harvard Medical School? Yes, I was, yeah. I was fortunate enough to attend Harvard Medical School. So um, you, you have talked in your background about the role your mother played in familiarizing you with medicine. Can you talk a little bit about that? That's a, a great 
topic. Uh, unfortunately, we only have uh, about a half an hour to go into that. But <laughs> as one of the uh, frontiers in nursing in the area, she was amongst the uh, initial nurses to be an important part of the Indian Health Program in California. So she performed a lot of home visits. She was a major nurse there at the Indian Health Council, mm -hmm. and then later on received her degree in family nurse practitionership, where she provided care for the clients at the clinic as well as within the community. I can personally attest to going to those remote homes and waiting in the car while she performed her exams and mm -hmm. then returning to the clinic and uh, waiting in her office until she got off work. So her commitment and her dedication, much like my father's, who was a community health representative mm -hmm. there at the clinic as well, uh, really exemplify and, um, and are uh, uh, really a good example of, of my commitment to the clinic and the community. So many of the doctors that I know and medical professionals that I know had role models, usually parents, but had role models who took them into the work. You mentioned your, both of your parents, which I, are coming at it from different angles, one from community engagement uh, and one from medicine itself. You also alluded a moment ago to your grandparents. What role did they play? They were locally uh uh, living in the area, and they uh, had initially come from uh, Mexico near the area of Zacatecas and Guanajuato. And uh, just recently, we uh, took a trip down with my wife and I and my aunt to that area. And really life changing one of those trips that you are, it's on your bucket list. Mm -hmm. And that was a phenomenal kind of life transforming event. And so the long story behind, behind that trip from that area to California. And their hard work and their dedication in raising five children uh, in the 30s and 40s and 50s uh, really was a, a cornerstone in developing that strong work ethic that not only exemplifies my life, but also the commitment that the employees have at Indian Health Council. What memories do you have of the reservation you grew up on? What was that like? Oh, that was the best. As, <laughs> as a matter of fact, my uh, my personal statement actually the first couple lines uh, document the uh, the the ever present uh, uh, sagebrush, uh, the rocks, the dirt, and that's all we really had back there. So I was really lucky to have a a simple childhood that had those components in it, mm -hmm. uh, much unlike what we have now today. You um. In describing that, I mean, even that description, you clearly loved the outdoors, uh, but you also clearly were drawn to science. How did that mix come about for you? I think the role models earlier on, as you had mentioned, mm -hmm. at my elementary school. So I went to a, a K through eight uh, elementary school there in Palma, and. Uh, great memories there, but some great teachers. So interestingly, as many of us can who had those great role models can really name off all their teachers you know, through elementary. I think Mrs. Foster was uh, my uh, favorite teacher in kindergarten, but really a kind heart, a good, good soul, really promoting the uh, development and the support uh, that uh, students should have you know, in those critical uh, areas of development. You just warmed the hearts of kindergarten teachers everywhere, and I'm amazed that you can remember the name. Oh, my that's, gosh, that's, yes. that's, so, uh, that's so impressive and so great. So let's talk about Indian Health Council. Tell us about the work that the council does. 
So the clinic has been there since the 1970s, and the long history of Indian Health Service is uh, something I'll leave to your readers and your listeners. It's a great read, and I think really what really encapsulates that uh, read and that experience is our uh, Indian Health Service pediatric clinical consultant who, while giving a talk, his comment was that you don't really need a global health experience in Africa or in India or Australia. What you need to look at is Indian Health Service just in your backyard. And Mm. so that experience and what continues to be the wild disparities in health that exist across the United States is what really makes Indian Health Service and Indian Health Council a fantastic place to uh, to work and to really give back to the community and make an, a substantial difference in disparities that still exist for uh, American Indian people. Yeah, I think many people in our culture assume that, especially if they have insurance uh, or access to insurance, they assume that care is generally available and that um, what we what we really need are great large institutions that serve everybody. Why is a front door like the Indian Health Council important for indigenous populations in San Diego and elsewhere? I really kind of equate that that front door mentality and ease of access to the familiarity that is the backyard for the communities we serve. Mm. So they may uh, and often do defer going to uh, San Diego, to, to other major institutions in, in preference for their local community clinic. And I think it speaks to the commitment to access, the commitment to familiarity, the commitment to give back that um, not only I represent, but the the employees and our executive team, actually, Indian Health Council. That's always a priority. Um, as a nonprofit, fairly qualified health center, you know, look alike. We're we're committed to making sure that it's about giving the clients the best opportunity, not only to uh, deal with their disease process, but to learn about it. Yeah, and I, I I want to explore that, but I think it's important to point out that. At least this is my understanding. Indian Health Council was created by the community. Actually, I think you were created by nine uh, tribes here in San Diego. Is that correct? Yes. And, and, and this consortium came together and said, we do not have access to the sort of clinic that our people need. So we're going to create this entity, which now has clinics in Rincon, and where's the other one? In, Santa Isabel. In Santa Isabel. So it's a product of community desire for for this access. Why why did they feel it was so important? I think the looking around, realizing that they needed to do something with the promotion of health for the communities was the driving force. And recognizing that there were leaders within the community, um, the uh, the nine tribes you mentioned, uh, there are a variety of other tribal chairmen, um, change makers, as you mentioned, that uh, that uh, really led a helping hand like my mother. And then Dennis McGee um, was, again, one of the uh, big individuals that uh, really led the charge to change Indian health programs and develop these programs uh, in the area for those nine consortia tribes. 
I actually, um, as a relative newcomer to San Diego, think it's one of the extraordinary assets of San Diego that we have this um, large collection of indigenous populations and nations within the context of the county. And it creates enormous opportunity for us to figure out how to interact with each other differently and how to meet the needs of each other differently. In that context, I think it's important for us to understand that we don't always get it right when we think about what other people need um, if they're living in different circumstances or have different life experiences. And I'm wondering, from your perspective as a doctor who is from the population and working with the population, what is it that other people often get wrong about the needs of the indigenous, uh, of the health needs of the indigenous community here? Well, that's a great um, perspective. And, and I think it's important to note that we're, we're lucky here in California. California is uh, home to over 107 different tribal groups mm-hmm. that, uh, that exist here in the state. And then south of Los Angeles, we have 31 different tribal nations that exist in the area, which is more per capita than any other location in the United States. Of course, Oklahoma, the Southwest, and Navajo have you know, greater numbers. Mm-hmm. But in terms of tribal entities and dialects, traditions, those are... Uh, the fabric of a very diverse and rich uh, history that is uh, within uh, Southern California. So uh, you you were just talking in, in, in talking about the community that exists here. I, I often forget that I'm a doctor <laughs> and, and, and I always get tied in within the community. Uh, and maybe that's an example of the priorities that exist in, in my mind. And mm-hmm. also the, 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 uh, the, the need to you know really put uh, the community not first uh, because my family and my wife are first but mm. but definitely up as a, as a priority to make sure that those those needs are met yeah um, in terms of in terms of what the rest of us miss though is you're in the community and you're serving the community's needs do you think there are things that the rest of San Diego needs to understand about the the health needs of your community? Yes, I, I think that you, you mentioned communities' needs, and San Diego is my community, and yeah. and I think and you've actually said as a doctor, your goal is to serve the whole community. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and it's not only Native Americans across the area. I mean, it's it's definitely providing that support for education, mm-hmm. you know, cultural uh, familiarity, being where I can in uh, the the city or in the county or on the coast, and and I think my my work history and some of the uh, the uh, talks I've given across the area have really exemplified not only what I hold as a priority but what uh, Indian Health Council holds as a priority because mm-hmm. we're partners and I think uh, for example the COVID pandemic really. Uh, showed that example, Indian Health Council partnering with San Diego County mm. in providing those services not only for uh, the community, but also uh, in helping the, the county become a, uh, a better purveyor of the resources that, uh, that they hold um, uh, within uh, their, um, their responsibility. Yeah. I'll start this with we, the Prebus Foundation. Um, we're really very honored to uh, be a funder of yours through our, our new SHARE initiative, which is focused on funding a variety of clinics in San Diego County. And 
honor to have you among them. Why do more broadly, speaking to what you just said about San, your, you know, your clientele is essentially San Diego, why do clinics matter? Those clinics are really the touchstones for the community as a whole. And like Prebis, the Prebis Foundation, they you know, really, I think, identify and, and provide recognition for those clinics you know, in the area. Mm-hmm. And I'm not only talking about clinics. I'm talking about organizations as a whole and really kind of showing the spotlight, uh, turning the spotlight on those critical linchpins and cogs within our community that, that make it work. Mm-hmm. And the clinics are, are obviously an important part of that. Because where else do individuals go uh, for for their care? I mean, we, we realize that they go to our facility, Indian Health Council. They go to other partnering organizations like Southern Indian Health Council or Saquon mm-hmm. if they're in the East County. And where, uh, as an important but also as critical a cog as some of the larger hospitals in the area, like Scripps and and uh, and Palomar Hospital. So I, I think we're we're all an important component of, of what makes San Diego unique. Yeah. Well, and I, I would, uh, certainly it was a premise of our SHARE initiative, and I would just underscore the point that you made, that clinics are often an unseen part of that system. But it's all a system, and, and the pieces are, are all essential. So thank you for the work you're yes. doing in that respect. You, um, you, also, as a clinic, though, one of your specialties, because you are, are serving a Native American population, is you also think about medicine somewhat differently. Um, I mean, obviously, you do it in the traditional Western medicine terms. You yourself were trained that way. But I, I think among your wellness services are, are, are campouts and sweat lodges, and you think about the wellness of the individual in a in a in a different way than a lot of the other institutions that we see um, in San Diego. And how big a component of your of your services is that? And and how do you, as a doctor, think about the importance of indigenous medicine? So I really count myself lucky as a uh, provider of, of medicine. My uh, my uncle Damian who was a, one of the last medicine men in the area. And, oh, was he really? Uh, he would actually have a um, half-mile, mile of cars running down from his, uh, low, uh, his uh-huh. residence there in, uh, on the Rincon Indian Reservation. And so I feel lucky to have uh, uh, been able to carry on that, um, that, uh, that profession. And you're right, the, the importance of not only recognizing the, uh, the traditional or the allopathic forms of medicine that I was taught in medical school are uh, as important if, uh, and, and equal, on equal footing as the traditional components of, of praying, of uh, engaging in sweat lodge, in uh, smudging, and looking at the, the, the use of the plants and the environment in the community to, uh, to not only sustain the physical body, but also the mental part of it as well. Yeah. I didn't know that about your connection with, um, and so having a medicine man in the family, uh, and you being a medicine man in the classic modern sense, that's got to be kind of magical for you. You know, the universe is magical, isn't it? We talked about our favorite books before we came online, yeah. and um, 
Uh, one of mine is actually The Alchemist, and there's a phrase oh, in there how that the, the universe kind of comes together and, and shows you exactly what you needed to be doing at that at that time. The uh, and if it hadn't have been for, as you mentioned, many of the uh, the people in my life, uh, including my wife, and of course Uncle Damian, and those other people we had mentioned, uh, the the importance of carrying on that that process, and I kind of point uh, to the future in terms of you know what's next for for not only myself but also the community and Indian Health Council. I'm going to highlight, of course, my uh, my children. I have four children, wonderful kids. They're they're just fantastic. Um, my son is actually completing a. Uh, MD PhD at uh, the University of California, San Diego, and so he's uh, definitely in that uh, the next line to continue the uh, the profession I mentioned with uh, Uncle wow. Damian. Wow, that's great! So continuation of a family tradition, exactly. And do you often find yourself thinking consciously about how you weave these traditions together? Always, oh. and. And not, you know, just making sure that, you know, the, you appreciate the ebb and flow, yeah. uh, what's around you. And uh, that's something my mother taught me. That's great. So when we, um, when we think about, about, you know, I want to come back to the needs of the population that you serve. And you have spoken in, in previous um, writings and, and speeches about the the impacts on health of a history of oppression, which is real. And, you know, one of the ways that you looked at that, for example, was through the lens of food. And, uh, you know, you spoke about the, how food was, in, in a sense, weaponized against mm-hmm. uh, indigenous populations. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Because I think it's an important part of the health narrative. Definitely. That's a tremendous part. And our, our current COO, uh, Miss Angelina Renteria, uh, she was our previous uh, director for public health. And uh, she would, in her previous lifetime, she's been in that uh, chief of operations um, position for the past almost three years now, I believe. But as the the public health director, she was. Uh, she's actually has a degree in kinesiology. She'd be uh, touting and running around exercise as medicine, exercise as medicine, and as is food. And so, the mm. the long history with uh, uh, Native Americans across the United States and the issue with access to food is um, is, is an important one. And you know, really looking at as I mentioned before, with the history of uh, Indian Health Services and and the Prior to that, the development of the reservation system and and really looking at where those people were located when the uh, the time came to um, actually end up relocating those individuals in in you know in a, in a very uh, dark part of the history of the United States and looking at the natural resources. Uh, especially as it pertains to, for example, water. Mm. So here in California, we're all about water. And the reservations that are there, um, then you mentioned the nine consortia tribes have been fighting for their water uh, for the last 150 years. And recognizing that the need for water, development of crops, development for agriculture, the, the raw uh, sources, the technology, the technical assistance that is needed to uh, develop those types of self-sustaining foods and farms are just coming to bear now as the economic development and the uh, tribes have been 
more savvy in making those uh, partnerships real, not only with other tribes, but also with the uh, corporations and other uh, mm-hmm. support groups, uh, much like the uh, Prebus Foundation, to, 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 to shine a light and to provide a, another opportunity for, uh, for the area to really shine. Do you see the story of, um, of health for your community as headed in the right direction? Is it headed in the wrong direction? The way the media tells the story is very often one of a, a long, hard fight that continues to be a long, hard fight and um, often going in the wrong direction. How do you feel about it? I think we're definitely going in the right direction. I'd like to cite the the, the history around smoking. And mm-hmm. so for, uh, for 50 years prior, not uh, from today, but when we first knew that smoking was bad uh, for 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 people, it really took 50 years to, right. <laughs> around yes. the time until we like, yes, we should probably mm-hmm. not be smoking. And much like the, uh, the 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 development of programs like Indian Health Council, the 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 uh, addition of uh, not only a strong workforce but a developing strategic uh, outlook to the future. What we're seeing not only locally but also nationally in terms of Indian Health Service, the uh, development of a, an improved health perspective as it pertains to uh, the community um, integrative care. And I think Indian Health Council and Indian Health as, as a whole is moving in a positive direction um, where uh, I forgot to mention this previously in terms of what the organization comes to, bear, comes to offer. But um, we do offer a variety of other services besides the, uh, the traditional components of uh, for example, um, um, smudging and or um, uh, sweats, the addition of uh, cardiology, the addition of orthopedics, acupuncture, chiropractics, mm-hmm. podiatry, optometry, and now just most recently partnering with Bastyr University to uh, bring a herbal component to the uh, services that we provide at the clinic has, has, been, has been well received by the community. So again, it's about bringing that one-stop shop to right. those uh, those uh, those clients in the community, and am I right that part of what you do is also work on training uh, healthcare professionals to, who um, out from the local community? Yes, thank you uh, for mentioning that. Mm-hmm. And so, we're lucky enough to have had a uh, NIH-funded grant, the Native American Research Centers for Health, and there, there's three tenants to that grant, the the first being to uh, recruit and retain Native Americans to go into medicine and or research. Mm-hmm. The second, to look at reducing health disparities um, by having those uh, students go into medicine and or research. And the last is to really form a stronger bond with our academic partners. And we've really enjoyed a strong bond with um, University of California, San Diego, Cal State University, San Marcos, Palomar College, mm-hmm. San Diego State University, a lot of the other colleges here locally, uh, local locally. Um, actually, we just partnered with uh, Point Loma uh, Nazarene as well to oh, really? um, uh, allow um, uh, providers to come on site and to uh, to provide that care. Not only to not only to uh, have them uh, get a, uh, a a better experience about clinical medicine, but also to expose the the uh, them them to the community and the need there, uh, which is so important and. And I think that, um, th- that we make better phys- better providers, you know, by doing that and providing them that experience. Yeah. I think it's a, a, a part of the story of medicine that um, often gets neglected, which is that uh, when they're 
when there is an absence of people who look and talk like you in medicine, you tend to suffer more at the hands of medicine than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's and and so I think making sure that there are healthcare professionals from the community who understand the community is really a valuable part of what you're doing. And I, I would just underscore, affirm what, what, what you're saying. Yes, that's, that's exactly it. I, I, I've uh, spent 20 years actually whispering in uh, all those uh, ears of those children, so you're going to be a doctor, right? And so hopefully <laughs> that pays off. But, of, of course, uh, we have other strategies in place, uh, primarily being that NIH-funded grant to look at that student development program that we have at the clinic. And uh, to your point, we've had over 140 individuals go through that program in the past uh, 20 years uh, who have um, received their degrees, either an undergraduate, a master's, or a, a PhD degree. And okay. so I think to kind of put that in better perspective, when I started at the clinic, I was the uh, I was told I was the sixth Native American from California to become a physician. The so sixth. the sixth. So I think to put in put that into perspective, yeah, but between 2012 and 2017, the um, the American uh, Association of American Medical Colleges uh, did a report on just the uh, the equity across um, uh, medical school applicants, and so there was I believe 93,000 applicants between that time period, and of those 93,000, less than 200 were actually American Indians. Mm. So you can see that the biggest need uh, or the huge uh, need to uh, develop American Indians, develop um, providers to go back to the community is, is so very important, um, especially when you see that across the 12 regions across the United States that the Indian Health Service um, provides care for and the 7 million people that identify as American Indians, the biggest need um, that, uh, that, is, that is shown there by having only 200 you know, go to, that, uh, to go to medical school. One of the things that you um, exemplify in how you talk about your work is a spirit of collaboration and partnership. You're constantly mentioning partners. You're talking about other organizations that the Indian Health Council works through. And I think it's a, it's a tribute to how you get your work done. I'm, I, I, it feels to me like you're constantly bridging divides in society, trying to knit organizations together and cultures together to help, to help build understanding. Um, as you probably know, this concept of belonging is very important to us as a foundation where we're thinking about how we create a future in which everybody feels like they belong and has the opportunity to succeed to the full extent of their ability. How do you think San Diego can continue to build on the work that you're doing to create to inc- create this atmosphere of belonging going forward? I think San Diego is in a wonderful position to really take a huge leap forward in partnering with the tribal entities across the area. As I mentioned before, the uh, area is so fertile with the number of tribes that exist out there, mm. the diversity that exists. There is a long history that already exists now within the area. So I, I had found, as again, I mentioned just probably with the COVID uh, example, there is so much more we can learn from each other and partner with and accomplish mm. if we just probably pick up the phone and and we call each other. And that happens for me, which is a great uh, 
time to be you know working uh, within the clinic and the community happens every day, it, 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 whether it be uh, attending events um, downtown here in San Diego, you know, meeting the mayor, working with people in the San Diego County Medical Society, working with the uh, individuals in, in, in uh, different districts. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, it just, I think there needs to be a, a kind of an 80-20 rule kind of moving forward in terms of going that 80%, realizing that uh, you're, you're not making, you're not going to go halfway. You want to go a little bit further to make that partnership, you know, real and, and to make it happen. And and uh, to comment on on how that's happening here at, at, the, at the clinic in terms of uh, the integrative components that we're looking at, really having the partnership even within our organization, working with uh, our dental program, working with our medical program, our pharmacy program, and most importantly, our behavioral health program. As we've seen, there's so much more to be done with our behavioral health uh, needs, not only across the region nationally, but also within our community to make sure that clients and individuals have the access to the, uh, to the care they need. Um, and San Diego is, is definitely a, a great partner in making that happen. I, um, I think I will end on that note, but I want to ask if there is anything you wish I had asked you. I think as a representative of your viewers is really taking note of the accessibility that uh, that myself and Indian Health Council really puts out there in terms of uh, making that conversation real. Mm-hmm. So um, I won't provide my cell phone uh, number here <laughs> on, on air, but it's mm-hmm. easily accessible, and I know you have it. But it's important that I think you give that out. Mm-hmm. And it's it's something that I've uh, easily and, and gratefully given out over the past 20 years um, as the chief medical officer, because it's uh, it's something that people need, and it's something people should have in case they have a question. I'd much rather them contact me and uh, and ask me if I can help. And if I can, I probably know someone over the uh, over the past twenty years that I've met who can actually help them uh, get their answers they need. Well, as a result of my work over over the years, I've been privileged to meet a lot of chief medical officers and. Um, I think it's fair for me to say that you're, just in the little time that I've gotten to know you, uh, the most humble and the most accessible that I've encountered. So I, you know, I think what you just said, um, you you live, and we certainly appreciate the work that you're doing, uh, the perspective that you bring, and the role that you're playing in creating a better future for everyone in San Diego. And I, I love that you uh, focus on a particular population and community and at the same time see yourself as serving the entire population and entire community, that you have this broad view. So I just want to say, Dr. Kalak, Dan, thank you for the work you're doing. No, thank you very much. And thank you to the Prevost Foundation for being like-minded and helping us with this journey. I want to again thank Dr. Dan Kalak for his time and his words of wisdom. We learned a lot from this interview and multiple things leapt out at me. One of them was, of course, the coincidence that isn't a coincidence at all of him having a medicine man as an uncle and of how he, in a very different way and in very similar ways, is continuing a family tradition that then his mother continued and now he is and now the next generation as well. 
he spoke about how sometimes he forgets he's a doctor and considers himself more just as a member of the community he's a part of. And that's a testament to the humility he brings to the work that he's doing and to the way in which the clinic that he's serving thinks of itself as a member of the community as well. We talked about how the clinic acts as a front door for the community and creates access for the community. And I think the takeaway there is not just about the Native American population in San Diego, but that every community needs that. Every community needs a way in to the massive healthcare system that feels right and appropriate and accessible for them. I loved in this conversation when Dr. Kalak talked about how magical it is to be a doctor, and he spoke about one of his favorite books, which is The Alchemist, and quoted from that. Throughout his interview, talked about the partners that he has worked with along the way and the importance of partnerships and going what he called the 80-20 rule, going the extra mile to meet partners where they are and to help them come into the system that you are jointly trying to create. I loved, too, his emphasis on being a teacher and how he whispers to the young'uns about becoming a doctor, about joining the medical profession. And the statistics he shared certainly underscored the importance of that, given the severe underrepresentation of Native Americans in the ranks of, uh, of the American medical system. And he shared some of that. You know, what I think about as I wind up this interview with, with Dan, with Dr. Kalak, is another quote from uh, The Alchemist, which um, went, when you want something, all the universe conspires in helping you achieve it. And I love the idea of that, but the way the universe does that, which I think is important for all of us to remember and what Dan's story helps to illustrate, is it lines up that way because we make it because we set the intention and we work together to help achieve it. It goes back to Dr. Martin Luther King's notion of the arc of, just, of the universe bending toward justice. Again, that also only happens because we work collectively to do it. So as I think about Dan's work, as I think about his story and what we all can take away from it, regardless of the profession there that we're in, as we think about the future of San Diego, if we want something for the future of San Diego, the universe will conspire to help us achieve it by us working together on behalf of an intention that we have clarity about. Thanks for listening. Join us next time, and please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast. Stop and Talk is a project of the Conrad Prebis Foundation. It is produced by Crystal Page and Adam Greenfield, it is engineered by Adam Greenfield and recorded in the Voice of San Diego Studios. Thanks again.